Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. Welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hopefully you and your family have uh, some great plans for the holidays. I will uh, be with my family uh, for the first part of the week. I'm heading to Georgia for the Peach Bowl on Friday, just kind of give you a little bit of a heads up on what the coverage will be this week. I've got several features um, planned that uh, I'll be writing this week. One's on Olu Fashnu, kind of a big kind of career retrospective uh, about Olu. Also, Deny Dennis Sutton. I've been looking forward to writing about Deny. Uh, a lot of people still call him Danny, and I asked him, how many people in your life have you know, called you by the wrong name all these years. He guys laughed and said a bunch and I'll have some other stuff as well this week. Um, and heading to Atlanta on Friday for the Peach Bowl on Saturday against Ole Miss should be a good game. One thing I want to mention, I'm going to write about this later in the week too, is that I went into this process thinking there would be a lot of opt outs for Penn State. Really? Uh, the only one we've seen so far for sure is Chop Robinson. Now, Olu Fashion, who has declared for the draft. And he said he will be spending time with his teammates in Atlanta. I doubt Olu plays. Um, he did not say he's not going to play, but I, I just seriously doubt he would uh, risk even suiting up for a few plays when you're a top five potential pick. So, um, but you know what? Uh, here's the thing. Bowl games do still seem to matter to Penn State and to James Franklin and these players. You know, there are a lot of players around the country that a lot of opt-outs, and we've seen some opt-outs at Outback, or Outback Bowl a couple years ago. Some players opted out for Penn State, but uh, very few uh, last year at the Rose Bowl. Uh, these, these bowl games, significant games, there's still motivation for Penn State. And uh, that there's a lot to be said for that. You've got guys who are heading to the draft, Curtis Jacobs, Theo Johnson, Daquan Hardy, and yet they've all still said that they're going to play in the Peach Bowl. Now, how much they'll play, we'll see. I think it could be a very small amount, but that's what uh, I've got on tap for the coverage this week. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in to this podcast and all the podcasts. We've got a fantastic discussion coming up for you today here. Uh, Mike Gross from Lancaster Newspapers. We talk about the Tom Allen hiring. 
I've also written a column about that here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. You can read what I had there. But listen to the podcast with Mike Gross. We also talk about what could happen with Florida State. Where could they be headed? Could they be coming to the Big Ten? Or would the SEC be a better fit if they're able to get out of the ACC? That plus some other things, you know, kind of the future of, of Penn State football with the playoff and everything. So great discussion coming up for you here in just a moment uh, on those topics. And again, I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. This will be the last, uh, thank you. Yeah, I guess last podcast of the year. Um, so I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in each and every week. Drop me a line in the comments or or uh, shoot me an email or anything that you'd like to have discussed on the podcast coming up for the off season. Uh, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on, uh, by about including these interviews in the podcast. Usually, it's just kind of been my me uh, talking for twenty or thirty minutes, but. Um, I, I talk to a lot of reporters and other folks on my daily radio show in Central PA, so it's pretty cool to get them involved and uh, put them here on the podcast. You can hear from some of the other reporters around the state. So again, coming up just a couple minutes, um, we'll have the Tom Allen discussion, future of Florida State, and uh, the future of the Penn State program. Reporters around the state, excellent uh, college football reporters who have covered Penn State for a long, long time. The amount of what's called institutional knowledge uh, of uh, Penn State is really rich uh, in this state. Mike Gross from Lancaster Newspapers is one of them. He joins me now to talk some uh, Nittany Lines. What's up, Mike? How many years have you been covering Penn State, pal? Well, full-time since 05 full-time meeting going to all the away games and all the during the week stuff i was covering games around 01 so it's been it's been a while so you got i started 06 you've got one year on me from a full-time standpoint you got in at the right time i see i got in 06 with anthony morelli a couple years you you got in with michael robinson and the resurgence in 05 to the orange bowl that's a perfect time to get in yeah, that well, you're right. That was a great year. I have so there's so many things about that year that I look back on and remember fondly. Not even not even football stuff. Just away from uh, uh, traveling for the first time and all that kind of stuff. That was a that was a great year. I was on a cruise. I was not covering Penn State football in 05. I was on a cruise, and we didn't really think Penn State was all that good that year. And I saw that they were down against Northwestern on my cruise. I was watching the team. I wasn't even watching the game. Oh, yeah. I saw that they yeah. were, I saw they were down against Northwestern. I'm assuming you were at the game, right? I was. So yeah, then I checked back a little bit later and found out they had beaten Northwestern and thought, hey, that's a that's a pretty darn good win. That could be a springboard for Penn State. And then come to find out the way they won it, converting like a, what, fourth and 16 pass to Isaac yeah, Smolko and Isaac winning. Smolko, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you look back on that, like how big was the 2005 Northwestern win in the pantheon of Penn State football during that era? In retrospect, even during that year, in retrospect, like looking back from November, it was, I think it was huge. I really do think you described it right. It was a springboard. At, at that point, Penn State had really struggled for about a four or five year period. And we felt like any win was a good win and a conference win on the road, even though Northwestern wasn't great. The way they pulled that out 
uh, yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was really a key point in that season, and it built on that. Of course, you know they won, uh, uh, they beat Ohio State. I mean, there was a lot uh, going on there, but uh, yeah, absolutely, that's the one that I thought, okay, now that okay, people started thinking differently about that team. I think, including some of Penn State's players started to think differently about that team. I always enjoy picking Mike's brain. Mike's just a real good dude, real down to earth, down the middle, very calm. You're not crazy like me and Dave Jones with a lot of crazy hot stuff that we might do. You're you're very very down the middle, calm, good coverage, you know, just very very level-headed, I would say. So so I want to I want to pick your brain on this, all right? I can't I can't come to a good conclusion myself, for me personally, about the Tom Allen hire. Here's where I'm coming from. You, you know me. I'm very opinionated on everything. Um, and I've got some opinions, but for this one in particular, Mike, I, I just don't have a good feel. I like the hire because he's a Big Ten head coach and he's respected. Yeah. I'm not sure he's really going to do all that great. Nothing that Indiana did defensively ever blew me away, but it was Indiana and they're they they got two and three star guys. And so how could they? So I get he's not going to be Manny. Manny revolutionized what they did at defense. Yeah. So you see where I'm getting at that. I just I, more so than any hire I can think of that Penn State's made. I am come. I've had a harder time this week. I've tried to read what everybody said, and I've tried to read what the Indiana folks have said. I just don't have a good feel for how good of a hire this is or is not. Well, a couple of things. My 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 sense is, and I think you could back this up with the numbers, but my sense is that he his defenses were much better when he was a coordinator than when he was a head coach, even at times when he was the head coach and also calling the defenses, right? Yes. So I, I think I think he might be one of those guys that's just suited to be a coordinator more than he is to be a head coach. Uh, that that and, and I think from a basic scheme thing, mostly a four two five uh guy, well that's what Penn State played most of the time the last couple of years, four two five. He, uh, you know, Manny Diaz just seemed like sort of an, sort of an eccentric genius in his ability to to come up with blitz, blitz packages and blitz calls and pl- and ways to get his guys to go to play fast with their hair on fire. And and will will Allen have that same sort of eccentric genius? Uh, it doesn't feel like it, uh, but, but we'll see. And then the other thing is, is he a good? cultural fit because when i first heard this hire it seemed a little you know i don't know it was odd from a cultural standpoint uh so so we'll we'll have to wait and see about that but one thing i would say about alan is his players really seem to love him Mm -hmm. at indiana (laughs) and he might be able to uh, even if it is an odd cultural fit he might be able to you know, sell sell the players on the idea that this guy really cares about us. This guy really likes us. This guy really wants the best for us. And that's how you get guys to to go nuts for you. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think they felt that with Manny. And I think they felt that with Brent Pry. I'm just wondering if that's enough to get over the hump. I would say this. Um, everything that I 
think and talk about with Penn State is not about going 10 and 2. I'm, I'm beyond having discussions about Penn State, how they can get to 10 and 2. Cause you got yep, eight, you got eight, eight easy wins every year. Maybe one tough game and then one really difficult game that you got to win to get to 10. Okay. Uh, but, but we're beyond that. Okay. How yep. do you get to 11? How do you get to 12 in the playoff? That kind of thing. And so I'm curious. Explain what you think about the cultural fit. What was the question mark for you there? Well, I don't know. I, I just, uh, uh, just from a personality, it seems like an odd mix with the other coaches. Just from a personality standpoint, uh, he seems like he seems like everybody's junior high gym teacher kind of guy, Tom <laughs> Allen. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit that, and I, I'm not sure that goes with with the sort of uh, the I, I don't know the sort of modern uh, sports sciencey thing that that Penn State. I don't know. I, I'm not sure even what I mean by that. But but it just struck me when I heard about the hire. It just struck me as a as a funny uh, fit from a cultural standpoint, but. Again, I think Tom Allen is capable of, if there is a divide there, of bridging it. Mike Gross from Lancaster Newspapers. I, I, I guess the best thing I can say, the one thing I can lean on here or say is, I just don't know. I mean, I I don't know what being the defensive coordinator at Drake is going to do for you at Penn yeah. State. I don't know yeah. that being the head coach at Indiana what that's going to do for you at Penn State. I mean, I know he's gone up, and he, they've given some good games against Ohio State. But, yeah. I, again, I, I, I'm i not saying I don't like the hire. I do like the hire because of the leadership standpoint, the intangible standpoint. I think the guy's a leader. I think he's a yeah. very charismatic guy. I think you're per- totally right that the players are going to really like him. But uh, these are the games that Penn State has played Indiana. Penn State scored 33 points, 133-24, 145-14. 124 to nothing. Even the two point conversion game that they lost, yeah. they scored 35 yeah. points. I know. Uh, the year yeah. before, yeah. 34. The year before, 33. The year before, 45. I, now, but, but again, this is Indiana. How, how do we gauge Indiana? You got two star guys playing all over the place versus Penn State four star yeah. guys. So I, I just, I don't know how that's, how it's going to transition. My, my gut tells me a little, Mike, he might have had to do things with smoke and mirrors at Indiana. How's he going to work with four star guys that he can just let them take over? And, and it's more about the Jimmys and the Joes than it is the X's and the O's. Yeah. In that sense, it could be, it, it could be a great fit. And, and again, I, I think if you go back and look at his defenses when he was a coordinator before he was a head coach, I, I think the success rate is a lot better. The last couple of years, I, I mean, they were last in the Big Ten in defense the last two years. That's got to be sobering. I yeah. mean, that's not, that's not something you could just ignore. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, I, I have pretty good confidence in James's ability to make these hires. I think he's been pretty good at it. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, so I could say that whatever we don't know about Tom Allen, uh, James, certainly has a positive sense of I think that's I think that's a great point and point in fact Mike that might be about the most comforting thing that I can think of <laughs> is yeah. having faith and this may you know some Penn State fans may you know kind of uh do a double take at this having faith 
that James Franklin knows what he's doing. Because yeah. look, James James is good at hiring coaches. There's there's no doubt. Who the hell had heard yep. of Joe Moorhead? Anybody? Yep. I mean, anybody? James is able to. I mean, some of it was catching lightning in a bottle at the right time. But getting Manny Diaz and and convincing him to come here, Jay, yep. I I do have maybe as much as anything else that James Franklin does. And look, I've got questions about the game days and all that. But in terms yep. of hiring coaches. Man, he's yep. only missed a couple of times with some assistance, and he's really hit some eight-run grand slams. Yeah, he has. And, and, and again, we get into the most important thing that head coaches do is recruit. The second most important thing they do is hire and fire people. Uh, and, and he's pretty good at both of those things. So uh, you're, you're right about the game day, and that's what everybody says, but, and you're not wrong. Uh, but those two things he's been pretty good at. switch gears. I want to pick your brain a little bit. The news of the day today, Florida State is going to sue the ACC over their uh, grant of rights deal. Basically, the nuts and bolts of this is that it's believed that the ACC controls the grant of media rights for all of its member schools through 2036, meaning if if ACC schools can make 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year on their TV revenue, the ACC controls that. And if you leave... The ACC gets so if, so if Florida State goes to the Big Ten next year, the ACC conceivably would control their sixty seventy million dollar payout through twenty thirty six. Now, what's happening right now is Florida State is is looking to sue. They're looking for some loopholes. Apparently, some interesting news that came out today was that the grant of rights deal is really only through twenty twenty seven. Florida State's lawyers say, and yeah. then. ESPN has an annual option. So does that mean that the grant of rights is through 2036 or does that mean it's through 2026? Because that's a big deal. We're talking half a billion dollars at stake here. So that's the nuts and bolts of it. But I'm curious your thoughts on if Florida State does leave the ACC, where do you think it's more likely that they end up, the SEC or the Big Ten? This question really, it seems to me, is more about the conferences than it is about Florida State. Correct. Yep. So Florida State. I mean, Florida State is a is, is a certainly a, a major league property in this. Uh, but uh, I I uh, I guess I I guess I would. Uh, it's almost be a coin flip, but I would almost say the Big Ten, just because they seem a little more expansion crazed than the SEC does. But but I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's. Uh, I guess because I sort of think of Oklahoma and Texas as being a no-brainer, you know, uh, anybody would want those. But um, this uh, this thing with the with the ACC controlling the TV money, I remember that that was the case from when um, when all this stuff was turning around, when the Big Ten was expanding, all that. I remember reading about that. Um, that seems hard to it's hard to believe that would stand up in court. I don't know. Through 2036, you're talking you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars here. My feeling on it, you know, just from thousands of miles away, the SEC has Florida 
do they need Florida State? I, I don't really believe so. I don't think that Florida yeah. State does anything for the SEC as opposed to yeah. the Big Ten. The Big Ten seems to think that Oregon and Washington are are, are major factors. To me, Florida yeah. State is a bigger deal than Oregon and Washington nationally. Yeah. So if you're going to add yeah. Oregon and Washington, it it stands to reason that the Big Ten, to me, Mike, would, would be interested in, in Florida State. Well, that, that, that's kind of what I, what I meant. I think the Big Ten is more interested in expanding, for, more for the sake of expanding, whereas, whereas the SEC kind of thinks, well, what do we have to, you're right, what do we have to gain from another uh, school in Florida and maybe even a, a rival for Florida, which is kind of uh, uh, treading water and struggling to stay above water right now. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I, I don't know much about it except, uh, I, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd pick the Big Ten. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a somewhat decent possibility that that could have maybe another year or two away. Yeah, we'll see. right, right. Probably, yeah, probably not in 24. Yep. And then could Clemson be on the way as well? What about Notre yeah. Dame? These are all ongoing discussions. The last thing I want yeah, to ask they're you. they're all ongoing. Sure, yeah. yeah right. You could be happen at any time. All right, I, I want to pick your brain here. One more thing, Mike, looking ahead to Penn State with next year with college football playoff expanding to 12. Um, I would imagine you would agree that it, you know, Penn State should make the playoffs six, seven times yep. a decade. But yep. how far can they go? What, what, what is the program's realistic, um, chances uh, of going deep into a playoff within the next three, five years or what have you? Where, where do you see, uh, where, where do you see the hopes of maybe getting to a final four or contending for a national championship anytime soon? <laughs> You know, it's interesting to think about that because the field will be big enough that that you there there's some you don't think well if you get in you're you're necessarily going to have to play you know the equivalent of where Georgia is right now in but the first they, round you know but what I mean? this Just, year Penn State's first round game would be Ohio State for God's sake yeah 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 uh, and and uh, you know and if you if you go back to uh, uh, the year they won the Big Ten 2016 of course they would have had one of those first round box. That's right. Yeah. Five, they were the number five, uh, five, fifth. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They were, they were number five, but the top four conference champions get those buys. So they would have had one of the four buys. Yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, uh, I mean, I, you know, are, are you confident with Penn state against one of the top three or four teams in the country in a sport where the top three or four teams pretty much seem to be on a shelf above everybody else and have for a while. Uh, I would say probably not, probably not, but to, and to what extent are there going to be crazy upsets in this format? To what extent are people going to rationalize? Well, we made the playoff. We're good. We made the playoff. You know, we're almost like in, again, like in basketball and NCAA, we're an NCAA tournament team, that, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I really am kind of curious about it. I would have preferred an 18 tournament, honestly, but this 12 kind of puts a little extra air in it, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of upsets and things like that. The James Franklin detractor will say he can't win big games, blah, blah, blah. Okay, oh, yeah. but he can't win big games against Ohio State and Michigan. That that's yeah. That's different. Now, look, there's Georgia, there's Alabama, maybe Ohio State, Michigan. Can James win a big game against anybody else? That that's that's really the un, kind of a little bit of the unfair thing about James is how many people were, would have beaten Ohio State very often in the last ten years, yeah, that's you know? Right. That's and right. Yeah. So 
Last year, Utah was number 10. They beat them. Now, again, some of it's just the flip of the luck of the draw. Like this year, their first-round opponent would be Ohio State. That would be a kick in the you-know-what if you have to do do that. But if you can avoid Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia in the first round, you would tend to think that James could probably win the first-round game, and then maybe you avoid them in the second round, too. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. If you're talking about winning the whole thing, that's a long shot. But with this format, with the first round buys and twelve teams, there's enough there's enough air in there that maybe they could make a little run. I, I think it's I don't think it's crazy to think about that. And and again, you're right. I mean, if you're maybe uh um if Oklahoma had been in the Big Ten the last five, six, seven, eight years, then uh then uh they would have the same rep kinda. You know what I mean? That's right. They'd Somebody say like Oklahoma that. can't win the big hey, Ohio State's just a little different. Trying to anybody trying to beat Ohio State's a little different. Yeah, yeah, and unless you're talking about uh, Georgia, Alabama, exactly, and, and Clemson a couple years ago, you know, you, so that that again, I'm talking about that top shelf in the sport. It's usually three or four teams and no more, and cracking that code is is going to be as tough as it ever was. But uh, but getting to the semifinals, eh, you know, that's something to shoot for. Absolutely, and can you become elite if you get to the semifinals? Three or four times a decade, do, do we move the barometer? Do, does Penn State finally get to crack that? Hey, we're elite if they win two. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you do because that's how people will see it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I don't know how people are going to perceive this. This is a big change. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how, what the narratives are, and, uh, and. Uh, it's, again, how people perceive this. In basketball, you can become elite by getting to a number of Final Fours without necessarily winning. And Michigan State's only well, won one, but they're in the Final Gonzaga, Four. Gonzaga would, a, yeah, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's a perfect example. Would be elite, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Hey. Yeah, could Penn State kind of become the equivalent of that? Will people think of it in those terms? They might, to some extent. Great stuff, brother. Always enjoy catching up with you, Mike. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. We'll see you down in Atlanta. Yep, I'll see you in Atlanta. Thanks, Corey. Good stuff. Mike Gross from Lancaster Newspapers. 